From Cleveland, Ohio, I'm Craig James, and this is Big Audacious Idea, the show about thinking big and asking the greatest questions of the human experience. We also ponder the future and endeavor to foster abundant thinking during uncertain times. Welcome to the show. What the heck is funny? I mean, what is humor and why do we care? Today, we're exploring the ageless concept of humor in a new way with a new lens. Today, we have the pleasure of welcoming David Horning. David, welcome to the show and tell us a bit about you. I am a local Cleveland comedian and a leadership speaker where I kind of melt the two together. So I speak to a lot of HR organizations, companies, nonprofits, things like that, about the value of using humor as a leadership tool to overcome adversity and uncertainty and to build a workplace culture centered around trust and being open to the absurd, silly things that happen every day and not taking ourselves so seriously. I also have a podcast called You Can't Laugh at That. My website is watercoolercomedy.org, and you can find my podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So tell me about your podcast, David. I didn't really quite realize or tune into that. I've seen your, I've seen your stuff on YouTube and your videos. Those are my faves, but I obviously <laughs> need to tune into your podcast. Yeah, it's called You Can't Laugh at That, and the tagline really is that we take things that you can't laugh at and find ways to laugh at them. So our, our goal is to prove that anything can be funny. So we can, we'll take dark topics. We invite a fellow comedian onto the show. We break down how they've made that topic funny. It's usually, you know, let's say a comic. The last one we just posted, he has a joke about assassination and how the there's just this myth that the secret service will stop you from assassinating the president but what are they gonna do they can't just jump in front of bullets and so he has this whole bit where he breaks down how it's funny that we are a nation that loves opinions and guns but we've only assassinated four presidents you know it's interesting about this um one of the one of the things I was thinking about was, um, you know, on the show here, we're really grateful we have a smart, thoughtful people. You know, you're smart, thoughtful, and funny, and I think that's such a fascinating combination. I was thinking to myself, this is really what a mean thing a host can do to a guest is make you self conscious. So I was thinking about smart, thoughtful guests. You know, it's not like they have to turn on. They're smart, thoughtful. They are smart, thoughtful, or they're not. Uh, so you're smart or you're not smart. It's there. <laughs> It depends on the day. <laughs> it depends on the day. Okay. There goes my theory. But so, you know, but funny, I think you have to be funny or do funny when you're appearing on a show or doing something like, do you have to turn on your funniness? Like, what if you just don't want to be funny? Like, how do you get yourself funified? I mean, there are days where I don't feel funny. It's just a matter of going up and doing it. Like, I mean, I did a show a couple of weeks ago where I was on the way there and I was like, ah, I don't really feel like, you know, I'm, I'm funny right now. I'll just do my time. I'll do what I have planned and then go with that. And then the comedian before me kind of bombed. So I got on stage and I kind of drew attention to that in a way that I didn't really think was that funny, but the audience giggled at it. And that immediately just turned around my mindset. Just, oh no, I am funny. Let's go. So it's it's just a matter of leaning into the energy of the conversation. So, I mean, this conversation could either be insightful and deep for the next half hour, or I can be looking for things that are funny. Well, there's something about engaging in an exchange like this one. Well, I'd be interested what it's like to be up on stage when you do your serious 
comedic work. And we'll talk about that later, how, you know, funniness and humor could be doggone serious and applied. We'll get to that in a moment. But the cool thing that this provides, I go down the same path and one could argue whether this Craig James host guy is good or not. But I know once I get in the booth and I'm encountering a conversation, this magic moment with another human, suddenly there's like a there's a thing you can't describe that kicks into gear. And I'm sure you have your own version of that. Even if on the way there, I don't feel I'm there. Once you get on that stage, even if the guy before you bombs, click, you know, there's like this magic thing that happens. So is, do you kind of have to let it happen or do you do something to make yourself make it happen? You can't force it. You know, that's just like, you know, if you're having a conversation with somebody and you want to be funny, you can't try to be funny. Otherwise, you come across as unlikable. So, I mean, forcing anything in any given situation is almost a detriment. And I find that, especially when I get on stage, it's a matter of making connection with the audience, first and foremost. And there are some times where I'm not able to do that, but it, that also serves as a learning experience. So it's it's always just being cognizant subconsciously of so many different things at the same time. You could train yourself to do that on a conscious level, but that comes with, with time and experience doing it. So a bomb isn't necessarily the worst thing. It's a stepping stone to the next set, or it's a story for the next set and so on. I mean, who was the master of that? I think of Johnny Carson. Here's a guy who could take a bombed joke and turn that into an advantage and segue into the next best thing. And he often did that by sort of defacing himself, being humbly funny. Right. And so it's that leaning in kind of thing. Yeah. He comes across as human in that. And that's important too. You know, when you see an entertainer on stage or a speaker or, you know, a, a talk show host that's venerated, you know, on the level that he is and he bombs his admitting that is almost a, it is a break of the tension and it allows the audience to relax and realize, oh, this is a person just like me. So talking about break of, of tension, we've got a lot going on in the world and plenty of tension to go around. So I have two questions for you. One is before we leave this funny topic, trying to define what or why something is funny, like what is this concept here on Big Audacious Idea? We're always talking about concepts. What's the concept? And then the other is like, why do we need it? So what is the concept of funny? Is it surprise or something else or release of tension? What What is it? Funny can be defined in so many different ways. I think thinking about an old idea in a new way, that's funny. Your body of work is to be up on stage as a comedian. You're also doing work with organizations when they're trying to figure out serious stuff. And today we're trying to figure out serious stuff. How does this humor thing apply in those serious contexts? Well, humor in itself is a process. It's it's a tool that you could use to see something in a way that you weren't originally looking at it. So let's say, I don't know, just pulling this out of the blue. There's some sort of worldwide pandemic, some sort of something that disrupts the day to day. And you can look at that as a problem. But when you do that, all you see are all the reasons why it's a problem. But if you look at something as it being funny, maybe at the moment, that moment in time, you're not able to find what's funny. But knowing that there is something funny is also a message to your brain that, well, because this can be funny, maybe this can also be an opportunity, or maybe this also you know, can be a learning experience. So admitting that something is funny is just a subconscious way to expand your perspective of something. So for example, 
I got into comedy in the first place due to a death in the family. It was very tragic. It was sudden. And the moment that I was able to find humor and it happened at the the funeral. So I, I make a joke that, you know, I, I, I discovered my love for comedy at a funeral. It was also at a funeral where I discovered you're not supposed to do comedy at a funeral. But finding that humor in that moment and easing the tension of the people around me, you know, my family members who were all sad, being able to make light of such a serious situation and see them crack a little bit was the moment that I knew that I needed to find ways to make people laugh for a living. Maybe it's a needed spit valve we have as humans. (laughs) You know, it's funny since we're talking about funerals, one of the funniest moments of my life was at a very serious thing, a funeral, the celebration of uh, my father-in-law's life. And and he was a veteran in World War II and he did everything the greatest generation did. He had an amazing life. So we were in this this corridor at the church and there was an honor guard since he was a veteran and these retired military heroes. There are about five guys with guns. They were blanks, but you know, five guys with guns who were all somewhere between 112 and 133 years old. And when when they went to do the salute over the casket and Pastor was in the line of fire and a bunch of people behind Pastor, um, these guys were delightful gents, but they were a little bit older so they, they, they couldn't quite get the guns all the way up into the sky. <laughs> and so if could you imagine like 50 people behind a casket all all ducking to the side as as the guns are coming down. For us, it was a godsend to giggle, you know, in a tough moment. And maybe we need that so badly as humans because we can only be serious for so long or we'll break. Right. It's that the moment that you say, someday I'm going to look back at this and laugh is the moment that you give yourself permission to like move on or be bigger than whatever the adversity is. So that's a funny story. That was just the beginning. There were funnies after funnies. As a matter of fact, maybe we can talk about sort of the contagion of funny, where can we start a fire of goodness, of giggle and chortle that is constructive and maybe spreads to others? Can you kind of light the funny fire in other people? Absolutely. Humor is contagious. It's one of the most basic human behaviors, humor. It's an unconscious behavior that allows us to be vulnerable in the moment. And that's a tool that that we need so much. And, you know, if we can laugh together, we kind of forget our roles. We're just two people that think the same thing is funny. And uh, just like you said, the the moment you find something is funny, it just kind of starts a snowball effect. You know, that can happen too individually, where you come up with something and then you're like, oh, if that's funny, then this is funny, then this is funny, then this is funny. And then sharing that with other people, that's one of the most valuable skills that, you know, somebody can can have. I mean, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to be like a comedian, you know, but just being able to find that one funny thing kind of primes everyone else's brains around you too. If they can laugh at that, that one thing, it kind of gets their brains going, whether they realize it consciously or not. I remember you sharing that concept with me last time we talked. And so I'm reiterating what you just stated, but really sat with me is the idea of human connection. And and you stated that it's really tough to be in conflict with someone or harm someone or be in a war with someone. If you're laughing together about something, you're instantly connected. And you forced me to think about situations where I think I'm a pretty open-minded guy, but there are some personalities where you just don't click. And oddly and ironically, through the Zoom thing, we've all had 
you know, the cats that come across the screen or the, the kid who grabs the microphone and then suddenly you're, you're in a meeting that's upside down or whatever. <laughs> it's like the serendipitous uh, happenings that, that open human hearts. There was one person in particular where we didn't get to laugh together too often, but one of those Zoom snafus, suddenly we're all smiling. I felt instantly connected with that person in a different way. Isn't it crazy that we can do that through a virtual platform too? We don't even have to be in the same room. There haven't been that many studies done about you know virtual humor. I'm sure after this, there will be so many, but <laughs> it kind of creates an instant connection and you know being able to laugh even over a virtual medium because we're both going through the same thing. We both see the same thing. And just to have that instant shift in perspective is is valuable. And if you can go on that journey together, that creates a bond, which is pretty cool. Is there a difference between funny types? You know, is there funny? Is that the same thing as humor versus irony versus sarcasm versus satire? What are like the different categories of funniness? I think humor is more of the process. It's more of a state of mind versus funny is like the end result or the laughter is the end result. As far as like, you know, satire, I mean, that's just a different tool to communicate humor, satire and, and irony. Sarcasm as well. I actually watched the, there was an old SNL sketch with Matthew Perry where he was teaching sarcasm 101 <laughs> and Norm MacDonald was in it and he just can't figure out how to do sarcasm. <laughs> No, there are actually four different styles of humor. I forget the professor's name, but he was out of the University of Waterloo. And uh, there's there's negative and positive styles. So those are the two categories. The four styles are affiliative, which is like making connections between unlike things. There is a self-enhancing, which is, you know, kind of breaking the tension and realizing that there's an end to this that isn't necessarily like sorrow or, or anger or anything like that. There is a more negative, the self-defeating humor, which is punching down on yourself rather than dealing with the problem. And then uh, there is... Uh, uh, the uh, That's the fourth one. Yeah, the, the, fourth the fourth one, right. Yeah, uh, But that yeah. includes like sarcasm and uh, demeaning other people in order to boost yourself up. You know, Comedy Central style roast, which can be fun, but you trying to use that as a tool to connect people, it actually does the opposite. I think of the, the famous uh, comedians that just are able to employ their thing in so many different ways and mechanisms. And, and one that comes to mind is Seinfeld. So he's like in what bucket? What's his deal? He's more of an observational comic. He takes... A topic and he says, well, what's the deal with this? What's weird about this? And then he'll develop a bit around the thing that he finds weirdest at that time. And that's that's what comedy is really, is just asking questions about something. What's weird about this? What's absurd about this? What's out of the ordinary? What's asking what's funny about it is it almost backs you into a corner. If I sit down to write jokes, it's not going to be as fluid as if I were to sit down with an idea and then just write about that idea. And then in that I'll discover what's funny through what's weird or what's what's out of the ordinary and your business and your craft of smart funniness are you constantly jotting something down in an observational way like seinfeld so it's not like oh i've got uh, an hour i've got to make funny happen it's more like for the last week you're noting certain things and then figuring out how to apply them later is that what happens yeah so for example i'm working on a bit right now about technology and how it's evolving so fast and people aren't ready for it. Like Uber. If I write down what's funny about Uber, 
it kind of backs me into a corner and I get writer's block. Whereas if I just start writing about Uber, like I saw a guy that, and this is how this joke started, a guy in a beat up old car rolls up to a bar at about 2 a.m. This was when bars were open and he just yells out the window, y'all need a Uber? And I said, that's not how Uber works. So then I go into, well, what else does this guy do? And then that dives into like, what other technology does he use? Oh, does he try to stand on his front porch and yell at people to come into his house like it's an Airbnb? And then I, I take that. Like, what else is interesting about Uber? Well, there's an option where you can order a helicopter through Uber. What if I could order an ambulance through Uber? What if I could text 911? And then so from those ideas, it's a matter of just making connections. And that's kind of the process of humor is making connections. And uh, if you prime your brain using humor, it allows you to make connections between unlike things quicker, which makes us more creative in problem solving. So we may come up with a more outside of the box idea that isn't right in front of us. I do see what you're saying and I hear what you're asking and I make that statement on purpose. And what I mean by that is I'm hearing as I listen to you that one of the beauties of this pursuit of humor and the spin-off connections is that it begs questions. It forces you to ask what if. And if we're ever going to think about the future and progress, especially when we're in times of uncertainty, uh, we probably need to be the two-year-old or the seven-year-old and ask lots of questions. Why, why, why? And continue to probe. In a weird way, I think we're needing A, the spit valve. B, I think we need to ask questions over and over. So I am seriousifying our discussion again. What do you think as we look to the future, we need to do more? And how does funny play a role in what we need to do as a humankind going forward? Well, I think uh, the goal of a comedian when he gets on stage is to make a connection with an audience. So I think making connections is vital, you know, asking one another questions and realizing that there's more value in asking questions than delivering opinions. That's the only way we're going to be able to learn, especially from one another. You know, you have so much information in your head from your experiences that I don't have and vice versa. And, you know, it's it's the process of asking questions of one another and listening to the response. And then I can parallel that back to being on stage. You know, if I tell a joke and it doesn't work, you know, I tell another joke that's similar to that and that doesn't work. Now I know in my head, well, the next three jokes are in that same vein. And this audience is communicating to me that they're not interested in what I'm saying right now. I'll pivot and try something else and try to make a connection in that way. So I think the what we need to do and what we forget is because, you know, we're so quick to share our opinions on social media that you know, we need to remember that one of the basic human behaviors is connection with one another. And that's through learning from one another and using that shared knowledge to work together. So it's a matter of questions and connection. Questions and connection. And I can't help but think having some experience being involved with performance are the, the Shakespeare Festival here, Great Lake Shakespeare's Festival. I can't say it, but it's that thing. It's like the <laughs> fourth bucket. It. But I was involved with it and I'm no longer involved with it because I can't say it. All kidding aside, there's a couple of things that I learned uh, from the acting company, which was they were the, the most fun to hang with. And it was that connection you were talking about, not only peer to peer, but audience to performer and how important it was. They said they felt the energy of the audience. They can hear the candy wrappers tracking up or down and how that feeds their energy. And here on the show, we had a uh, gent by the name of Wilson Hermanto. Uh, he's a conductor. And you think with classical music, there's that's very passive. You just listen quietly. He said, no, the audience relationship is essential 
to their performance. And so I'm scratching my head here a little bit thinking about as amazing as these machines are, we're talking through computers and electronics and a microphone now, but there's something about that being together in a place, in a space, in a room, the ambience and the sights and the sounds and the, that unspoken connection. How do you deliver humor through this stuff? Obviously, it starts with be funny, but when it comes to making connections, I think, you know, you made the point earlier, you know, you're in a Zoom meeting with people and all of a sudden there's a cat on, on somebody's screen. Now everybody's looking at the cat and everybody knows that everybody's looking at the cat. So it's just this transference of, of energy because the energy shifts. And even though we're not in the same room or we're not feeling it in the same space, we all kind of have that subconscious notion that everybody's looking at this cat or everybody's looking up this person's nose. Like, why don't they move the camera? Don't they realize that everybody's having that thought <laughs> except for the person whose camera is up there, their nose. You can still have that connection, although it isn't as obvious. Is funny and smart one and the same or different? How do they relate? I think you have to, to be funny, you have to see things differently. I mean, there are studies about this, but if somebody exhibits a sense of humor, the external observer sees that person as being smarter. It's like you can be smart, you can be intelligent, but if you don't have a sense of humor, then you're not really engaging the whole of your brain. And I think that's, that's very important to be able to just look at something and say, well, that's not all there is to it, rather than taking everything at face value. I mean, if you think about how we are taught in school, like we're taught to memorize and we're taught, you know, this is the way things are rather than to challenge that status quo. And I think what humor allows us to do is challenge the status quo and see a bigger picture. So in that, uh, that makes us more intelligent. As we wrap here, thanks for being with us, David. It's always such a blast talking with you. The problem is the time goes so quickly. The last question is this. It's almost ironic to say, what's the challenge? What would you ask listeners to do? You know, if someone said, just be funny, um, you know, I mean, how do you maybe give something to us that we can use day to day to either do or think maybe a little differently? I mean, you have to be cognizant of basic human behavior. So if something happens that just pisses you off, live in that feeling for a moment, but remind yourself that there is something funny here so that when you're ready to come out of that feeling, you're able to see beyond whatever it is that that annoyed you or depressed you or you know the trauma that that you experienced live in that feeling you know let that happen but knowing that there's something beyond that is so so important so just remember that you know that's that's my challenge to you cuz even i do it but you know instead of living in this stress for too long i just remind myself there's something funny here and then when i'm ready i'll i'll find it great advice We've been listening to David Horning, and this is Big Audacious Idea. I'm Craig James, your host. David, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. In some ways, humor is actually quite serious and important to humanity. You know, we're not allowed to laugh at certain things, right? But maybe, just maybe, the dark things in life need a good laugh in order for us to gain access to and cope with the issue at hand. However, to do this, it requires a delicate balance. Humor is about connecting with other people, other humans, being human. The challenge, to tune into human behavior and make a connection. If something angers you, lean into that feeling, let it happen, then look beyond it. 
realize most likely there's something funny and something to laugh about and ask yourself the questions that you'd ask others and listen carefully. I'm Craig James, your host, and you've been listening to Big Audacious Idea, the show that invites you to think big. Let us know what you think about our chat with David by tweeting me at cjamescatstrat. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. We really appreciate it. Big Audacious Idea is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Learn more about our podcasts at evergreenpodcasts.com. Special thanks to our production and audio engineer, William Pritz, our production director, Bridget Coyne, and my co-executive producer, Michael D'Aloya. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, don't just think audacious, be audacious. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.